Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Newt News. Today, we're joined by Jeff Jones, a Cardinals writer uh, with the Belleville News Democrat. And we're just here to ask him some great questions. He's one of our favorite guests to have on the show. Uh, it's a real treat to have him back. Um, we look forward to having more conversations with him in the future. Um, we'll be answering some questions that you guys have asked us as uh, some of our own. We're looking forward to a great conversation today after what was another admittedly tough week of Cardinals baseball. Um, so I guess to get started, I think something that's been going around that people have really been wondering about is how the clubhouse vibes are right now. Um, there was that picture of the clubhouse the other day after the Burleson home run where it kind of just looked dead in the dugout. Um, Andrew Kisner seems to be pretty excited, but there wasn't a lot else. And that got a lot of traction on Twitter. So we just want to ask you, is there anything you've noticed um, with the clubhouse vibes, considering yeah, your caveat um, about like last Wednesday, so whatever eight days ago now, because I didn't go on um, either mm -hmm. of the stops on this road trip. I, you know, I think that for the most part, mm -hmm. number one, by and large, it's a pretty even keeled group, uh, regardless. But number two, you, you know, it, I mean, it's been trying for a lot of these guys. It's, it's been a tough year, and obviously, you know, you, you find yourselves in last place, and you find yourself as a team that was expected to be a contender. And now we're talking about, you know, what does it look like down the stretch for them? So uh, is it, is that a great optic? It, it's not, that was the case the other night, but I think all things considered, it's more just like, this is kind of a weird team right now that, that needs, you know, maybe more than one good thing, a couple good things in a row maybe to happen uh, before they kind of get their mm -hmm. spark back. So you mentioned they need a couple of things to go right. What do you see that could go right for this team? I think a lot of fans are really looking for hope right now. Um, and obviously Jack Flaherty was fantastic and the pitching has been really good over the last 12 games. I saw that they're uh, fifth in baseball in ERA over their last 12 games. It's like 3.2. The starting has been great. The bullpen has largely kept them in games. So what is something that you think could go right for this team to sort of get a spark back? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, they obviously need the offense to kind of kick in a little bit uh, and to get rolling in kind of a reliable fashion. They need guys that have maybe not performed up to career standard to get yeah. there. But I think also, you know, I mean, there, I think there is some hope that some of this could kind of normalize, right? Like, you look at Libertor had a kind of a tough start in Texas, but otherwise has brought um, a little bit of energy back to that rotation. You mentioned Flaherty's been really good over his last five mm -hmm. or six starts. Michaelis has been pretty good over his last handful of starts. So there are definitely things you can look at. Uh, that look like positives. The bigger issue for them is that, you know, and I know this is talked about throughout the week, is that when things go bad, it just seems like things pop up, right? Like it's, it's, it's the base running one night, it's the defense one night, and that level of consistency hasn't really been there. And I don't know, I don't know how you get that back. And I frankly don't know if they know exactly how you get that back, which is, I think, part yeah. of the concern for them uh, is not being able to identify, like, I don't know what kind of switch you can flip that gets you back to playing the kind of cleaner brand of baseball that you need mm -hmm. to play. Because frankly, I mean, if you're this team and this is the way that you're built, you don't have to play perfect ball, but you have to kind of come close uh, to be the team that you think that you wanted to be. Yeah. We've seen a lot of like issues with runners and scoring positions. So, like we're getting hits, but we're not getting hits at the right times. And then we're making errors, but those errors are costing us like a lot of unearned run score that eventually costs us the game. Is there like some fundamental maybe approach that they have in those big spots, high leverage situations that you think maybe could be improved upon? Yeah, I, I think that 
this is sort of what it looks like. We talk about guys who are pressing, right? We talk about guys that are trying to catch up maybe, you know, an entire season's worth of deficit the division into one swing. Uh, that can be really hard to quantify sometimes. And a lot of times it gets applied to situations where maybe that wasn't the case, but we can look at it and say, ah, oh, well, they were down. They must have been pressing in this spot. But I, I, I do think that you see some of that, right? And you see some of these mistakes where it's like, it's really hard to play mistake-free baseball, especially if you are thinking about playing mistake-free baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that puts you in a position where, you know, the game will find you and some of your weaknesses are going to be exposed. And, and good teams have the ability to either paper those over or to move past them without them being sort of a decisive point in the game. The Cardinals, unfortunately, have found themselves in a spot over the last couple of weeks, especially where when the bad things happen, that just defines the whole rest of the night. Uh, and that's how they end up on these weird losing streaks. Mm. Yeah, and I, I wanted to ask about uh, lineups in particular. Um, I know Ali has, you know, Ali has seen a little reluctance to move people around the lineups, uh, especially Contreras, who has not really been hitting as well as we had expected. Um, so, do you think maybe Contreras should be pushed back in the lineup, or how how would you build the lineup if you were the manager of? Yeah, so the difficult thing, I think, for them in terms of moving Contreras now is what the alternatives look like, right? Because when you look at the guys that are healthy in the lineup they have put together now, uh, I can imagine a lineup, you know, against the lefty, for instance, where maybe if Baker is still in there and, and DHing that Contreras moves back to six. But even then, like, you're not talking about moving him very far and you're talking about moving him in lineups uh, where it's, you know, it, it's, it's his favorable platoon split. So I'm not sure how much you get out of that. Um, ultimately, you know, that, that kind of is the problem. Like, in much the same way that early in the season, we saw Arenado bad cleanup through a terrible stretch. Yeah. Uh, the problem with Arenado is to hit somewhere else that he needs to hit like himself, right? Like, there's not a there's there's not a way around that. There, was, You know, I, I saw someone uh, share a tweet this week that I hadn't seen before, but that made me laugh. And it was about uh, the Indianapolis Colts toward the end of Peyton Manning's time there. And, and they were being asked, the, the, the coach was being asked why the backups don't get more reps in practice. And the answer from the coach was, if 18 Manning gets hurt, we're effed uh, and we don't practice effed, right? And that puts them kind of in a situation where it's like, sure, yeah, the guy has to perform. And if he doesn't, they're not in good shape. The Cardinals, the first has to hit our guy. And if they they're not going to win. And there's not a lot they can do kind of beyond that. Mm. That's really interesting because I think coming into this season, offensive depth seemed like something the Cardinals really had. Um, that was something I at least was excited to watch. I felt like there were a lot of interesting names that, that could do a lot of good things for the Cardinals in 2023. Um, but injuries have also really, you know, shrank that depth a lot too. Do you know anything about when Tyler O'Neill could potentially be back? I, I, I don't think anybody does. You know, I, 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 he's he's in the midst of a shutdown period here, I guess, yeah. until right about June 15th. He's not going to be undergoing any baseball activity. Um, wow. The answers on O'Neill have been really been really short and really kind of vague, you know, when we've asked about them. Um, the most recent update that we got, you know, when I was in town uh, was you guys should probably go ask Tyler, who wasn't at the ballpark, so that was a little harder uh, than it otherwise may have been. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's not there's not a lot of clarity there. They, they pushed back on the idea that he would need surgery, which, sure, because we don't even know what the injury is outside of, you know, a, yeah. a strain, I guess. So, no, I mean, I, I think that, you know, we get to next week and we just sort of see what they're saying in terms of whether he's ready to go on a rehab or not, I, you know, I guess at this point you assume that he's not going to be ready like before London, 
Uh, yeah. So you're probably talking about July 1st before you would see O'Neill back at the absolute earliest. That is not, not ideal, but on the bright side, I heard that Dylan Carlson could be back as soon as Friday or this weekend. Um, is that confirmed? Yeah, he, uh, so he actually is in the lineup this evening for Memphis playing center field. He DH there last night. Uh, we'll see what that looks like in terms of timing, you know, historically with him, uh, it hasn't really been like two appearances and then get up. We'll see if that remains the case, uh, or, you know, or, we ran into him at Bush Stadium tomorrow afternoon. That wouldn't that wouldn't totally shock me. My my guess would be that he probably gets through the weekend, like played last night, plays tonight, maybe gets tomorrow off, and then plays against Saturday. That would be a schedule that looks a little bit more like what they do typically. Uh, but he at least does appear to be on the mat. Okay, that's that's really good to hear. Um, do you think they would rush him up a little bit earlier um, with Tommy Edmond in center field? Like, how have you how what do you, what are your thoughts on on that situation? Um, I, um, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think Tommy's been fine. Um, the bigger issue is it, the problem is not necessarily Tommy playing center. It's Tommy playing center between like Burleson and Walker, right? Where yeah, a center fielder might need to cover more of the gaps in that alignment. And and like Tommy's going to catch the ball hit at him uh, and his range is probably fine. And, you know, of the guys in the organization right now, is he like, the fourth best defensive center fielder behind the three guys that are hurt, probably something like that, which does a lot for a guy who hadn't ever really played center field uh, at all before like a week and a half ago. So I, I don't know if that would be the reason to rush him necessarily. I I just think the short answer, I guess would be no, because I don't think that Carlson has given them enough offensively that they would want to risk whatever they'd be risking by rushing him back. Mm. Yeah, we are also curious about uh, Newt Bar, of course. Um, is we, We've heard his injury is, like, minor. Um, is he going to come back relatively soon as well? I, he's definitely going to need a rehab assignment. So until you see him show up at Memphis, you know, he's gonna, he's probably a week off until – no closer than a week off until you see him go off on a rehab, I guess is the way that I would put that. Um, you know, that slam against the wall was, was pretty good, like – he was having trouble bending over to tie his shoes that day and the next day in the clubhouse, which, you know, it hurt. You know, he ran up against the wall pretty well at full speed with his back. And I don't know if you really ever had any back issues like that before. So, you know, if we, again, he's a guy where it wouldn't shock me if we got to the ballpark tomorrow and we got told that he was going out into rehab this weekend. But given that it's a back and given that I'm sure they're going to be careful with him, uh, it also wouldn't surprise me if maybe he was say a week or so away from a rehab because the other consideration, you know, I, I mentioned this in terms of London, but like that is two games, but it's two games over a stretch of five days or so. So when they're looking at what these rehab assignments look like, I'm sure that it is to their, to their benefit to have these guys back. If not before that trip, maybe even before uh, the New York Washington trip, which precedes it because the, you know, that, that's, it's really hard to call guys up from Memphis to London. So the group that they take with them right after DC is going to be the trip that they're going to have with them for both of those games. So they're probably going to need to know what the other on those guys before that gets too close. I think uh, recently a bright spot for the Cardinals has been Andrew Kisner. Uh, he seems to bring the energy in the clubhouse. He's someone that before the season, I didn't think he was going to play this important a role, but he's having a career year at the plate. He seems to handle the pitching staff really well. Um, You know, I was looking at his numbers earlier. I've got him pulled up again. He's got a 97 OPS plus. So for those of our viewers who don't really know what that means, 
He's only 3% uh, below league average in terms of offensive production. His OPS is up to 734 on the season. He's slugging nearly 500. Any way you put it, Kisner's having a really, really good year. Do you think he could start to draw more starts considering how Contreras has sort of scuffled um, in recent weeks? I do think he will start to draw more starts. The the hesitation I would have about that framing, at least that I don't know that it'll be because of the way that Contreras is hitting or not hitting. I think it's going to be because in general, uh, Contreras is a guy who, setting aside all the nonsense earlier this year, is a guy who they would probably say ideally catches 100, 105, maybe 110 games uh, heading into the season. And so you would expect Kessner to catch, you know, once or twice a week anyway. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I do think you'll see that. In terms of the year that he's having, yeah, for sure. Like, what you need from a backup catcher is to be able to handle the pitchers uh, and to be able to, like, take a competent at bat and, and you know, and not kill you when he's up there. And this has been, mm-hmm. frankly, like, this has been the version of Andrew Kissner uh, that they have wanted to see for a while. In fact, yeah. I think, you know, if you had told the Cardinals last fall that you could guarantee them that Kisner would be a 97 OPS plus guy, I think that it might change the way they look at free agency because if you can have 97 OPS catcher, that's like that's that's tolerable, right? You can you can you can live with mm-hmm. that even as a starter. So uh they they are definitely getting what they need from him, especially in his current role. Uh and they'll trust him, you know, to handle more of these starts. Now some of that like the slug and the OPS, or the, the, the slug and the OPS, are inflated because he does have what is it five homers now? Like he has an unusually high amount of homers for a small amount of plate appearances, so that does goose it a little bit, right? Uh, but look, the homers count homers. There's no reason he should be discounted for them either. Yeah. And so, if this is that kind of hitter he can be, then great, and they'll be happy to have him. Yeah, yeah. I heard something recently about him being named captain. Could you just elaborate on that a bit more? Yeah, I, I think that I think people should probably take that with like mm-hmm. many grains of of humor, salt, right? Like I think yeah. you know, I think that was a thing where in the doldrums of kind of a tough season, there would you know there had been some kidding around, and it's, mm-hmm. I, it's my understanding is that Willie McGee like kind of pointed him out on the field and was like, "This guy's our captain," and, and, and I think it was more like, <laughs> I. I I don't think the like. I think the intent was not, boy, this guy works so hard. We should make sure that we direct it. I think it's more like Kisner's kind of Mister Happy Go Lucky guy. He's popular in the clubhouse mm-hmm. for sure, uh, and he does. You know, like he's around. He gets all of his work in. But I think it was meant to be kind of a very lighthearted thing that people mm-hmm. had. I think a very weird reaction to, uh, which doesn't totally shock yeah. me given the kind of yeah. the you know the path of the season. But I think that. I think the collective freak out over it was was like several degrees past what was necessary or reasonable even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen a lot of overreaction to, to some of the Cardinals' struggles recently. Um, and one thing I want to touch on is Contreras' struggles and whether or not they can be attributed to some of the events that happened earlier in the season where he was kind of scapegoated for the pitcher, uh, pitching staff struggles. Um, do you think um, the influence of Ollie or, or Moe's decision to to have him – not catch or whatnot early in their season might be affecting him mentally at the plate right now? Um, It's worth the thought. I will say that would surprise me a lot just because like he hit well through that, right? Through that period where he was DHing, he hit fine. And frankly, look, not only said all the right things, but also handled himself great. You know, that got passed down right before they went to Chicago for his first trip back. Uh, I was up there for that. And that was, that was 
hectic to say the least. You know, there were a ton of people there, a ton of microphones in the space, a ton of questions being asked that ranged from, yeah, you know, tough to impertinent maybe in some cases, right? Uh, but I, he handled great, could not have been better. I think the more likely culprit uh, for what's going on right now is in, in part playing as much as he did through that long stretch they had without an off day. And in part, I think just sort of feeling the weight of the season on him, right? So, like, you talk about a guy who might, in fact, be pressing. Contreras would be a perfect example of a guy who, who might be. So, you know, to your point, can the stuff earlier in the season impact that? It can, I think, to the extent that if he is found and determined, like, this is going to be a good year for me, you know, maybe part of that other stuff is part of that. I can see that maybe leaking in a little, but I think it's more that just like the schedule did not cooperate. Now he's having a really hard time getting himself back into gear. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, we're all rooting for Contreras and it's just, it's tough to see this start off the way it has, especially considering some of the contracts the Cardinals have handed out in years past. I think people are really quick though, to compare him to those guys because Contreras is a competitor, uh, competitor, like you said, and, you know, he's done it all right and said it all right. So hopefully he's able to get back on track. Uh, we know you're with Memphis last week. And so we wanted to ask some questions about how uh, the farm's looking. In particular, Michael McGreevy has been incredible since being called up uh, to the Redbirds. Do you think that some of these numbers I was looking recently, I believe he's like six and oh, um, he's absolutely killing it. Do you think he could get a chance at the major league roster at some point this year to come up? I mean, a 254 ERA. Yeah, you know, the two days that I that I popped in on the Redbirds, I got to see Michael McGreevy throw a medicine ball against the wall. Uh, and that looked great, you know, <laughs> so I'm sure the rest of it looks good, too. Uh, no, yeah, I, I think he's definitely pitched well. Uh, and could he have an opportunity to impact a big league club this summer? I think the answer is is maybe, uh, in part, because, you know, Gordon Graceffo's had a little bit of an injury setback. And so mm-hmm. there had been a lot of discussion in spring. You know, maybe Graceffo was a guy that we could see at the end of this year now. The difference between those guys is that, Graceffo kind of has the classic big arm uh, that plays out of the bullpen. Well, like we've seen them do this with a lot of guys, right? Where if the velo really tanks up, let's put him in the bullpen in the big leagues and let's see if he stays there or he doesn't, or, you know, however that goes. McGree yeah. is less that guy and, 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 you know, and more of a hard to say he's a pitch to contact guy because he's still like, he still can get up there in 96, 97. Like he's not Dakota Hudson, right? Uh, yeah. but he, but he definitely profiles more as a, as a starters starter. So, you know, for him to get a shot at the big leagues this summer, that would probably require a future where say they trade two starters at the deadline, which is mm-hmm. not a totally unreasonable possibility. Um, so sure. You know, like if, if the Cardinals were to wake up tomorrow and somebody were to be injured and they were to need a starter, I don't. I don't think that McGreevy would be the next guy up just because that's a big step for them given where he is in their prospect pool, but he would at least be a consideration. Like his name would come up if, if that were to be necessary. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, we were just curious. You brought up uh, Dakota Hudson. Uh, we were curious how he's doing down the minor leagues. Is, is he doing well? Um, no, is the short answer. It, it like, yeah, he, his stuff is not is not performed well. I will say the most recent start, the start that I saw, was probably his best start of the year. I think it, I think it was five innings. He may have gone six, but he struck out seven. You know, kept the ball on the ground. Prior to that, really looked very good. Um, he would do some health stuff as well. You know, if, if y'all remember, he had a neck injury that kept him out for like the minimum stint on the IL last summer. Uh, mm-hmm. At the time, that sort of read like a weird 
fake injury, right? The kind of thing that you do to get a guy to reset or whatever. But apparently it was not. Like talking to Dakota about it, um, there was pain that kind of radiated like from his neck and then went down his left arm, not his right arm, thankfully, but even still with the left arm, like that affects his glove positioning and his follow through and his mechanics. And so he, everything was thrown off. Uh, the challenge for Dakota, like unfortunately, you know, they needed to see him maintain some more velocity. He's done that. He's like 91, 92 and not 990. That's a positive. But Dakota just hasn't been able to really find it again since Tommy John, right? And so when we talk often about like pitcher injuries and, and, and you know, are these surgeries a big deal or not? It's important to keep in mind that even sometimes the guys that make it back don't really make it back and aren't the guys they were beforehand. So, you know, unfortunately for Dakota Hudson to date, since he had his Tommy John at the end of 2020 season, he just hasn't looked like the same guy, um, which is hard to like really understand given like, it's not like his stuff has like, you look at like Noah Syndergaard, for example, you get it. Like you can see Syndergaard and you understand why he looks like he looks because the stuff is just gone. Uh, Hudson stuff, you know, I watched Dakota Hudson pitch. He looked like Dakota Hudson. I joked with him afterward that, you know, finally, I, you know, there's a pitch clock and he's pitching and the game still took three and a half hours uh, because there's a half inning where, where Omaha walked like nine guys. Uh, but, but no, like he, it looked like Dakota Hudson. Like it looked familiar. The problem is that that is not good enough to be a competitive major league pitcher right now. And I don't like, I don't think he is in this team's plans either in the short or long term. And so, and maybe it's more of a question of finding somewhere else where they think they can work with his stuff and, and, and turn him back into a major league asset. Mm. It's unfortunate to hear because Dakota Hudson was someone we heard a lot about on his way up. Um, I think yeah. a lot of us were really rooting for him. And Tommy John was just devastating because he, he did look to be off to a good start for his career before that. Um, but I was going to wait for the end, but I figured this fit really well here. I had a friend asking a little bit about some of the lower minors, um, some younger guys. One in particular who's kind of had some really fun moments this season is Juan Bin Cho. Um, he's had a couple of eye-popping uh, bombs. And then I wanted to ask, besides him, so this is kind of a compound question here. Besides Juan Bin Cho, is there another guy, preferably under the age of 21, um, who's really stuck out at the low levels? Um, so, you know, yeah, Cho definitely has, and like that, that was always going to be really exciting talent, right? Yeah. Because he was the first guy who sort of declared himself outside of the Korean system, who was born in mm-hmm. Korea, you know, who signed a free agent. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of, of, of mystery to that just because like there hasn't been anybody like him with his profile. Uh, and so it's really hard to know what that looks like. So it's encouraging for sure that they're seeing some of the yeah. hit tool that they wanted to see, uh, in terms of other young guys, like, the, the guy I have in mind, I think, is 21, so not under 20. But um, Victor Scott in Peoria has stolen, yes. like, 35 bases yeah. uh, and is playing a crazy good defensive center field. Like, he's he's Mike Antico's Mike Antico. I don't know. I don't know what we're, yeah. you know, however we're calling that. But, like, Scott is a guy who who looks like maybe even a fast mover, right? Like, like anything else, a guy with that profile, the question is going to be, is there enough hit tool there? Because the glove is there and the speed is obviously off the charts good. Uh, mm. And there are tools, like, you know, there, there there are tools you see in him that definitely look like what you would want a center fielder to look like, especially, you know, in the current rules environment. Yeah, that's that's awesome. He's so much fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's extremely, like, if he gets on base, you, you can't 
stop watching until he is no longer on base. Yeah, I know you have to go real quick. So uh, a couple of heavy hitters um, before we wrap up. First of all, we wanted some trade deadline predictions. Um, some of our viewers have gotten a little bit antsy with some of that. So if the Cardinals, let's say one prediction for the trade deadline, if the Cardinals like hover around 500 and get back to where, where we expect them to be, and then another prediction for the trade deadline, if the Cardinals are still like 10 games under 500 around the trade deadline. So yeah, I, I'll, the latter prediction, if the Cardinals are, are closer to 10 games under, uh, I think that I think that you're talking about arguably they might have the two most interesting starting pitchers on the market, right? Depending on whether or not the Phillies actually do trade Aaron Nola and depending on how you feel probably about like Lucas Giolito uh, between Montgomery and Flaherty, they would have yeah. two really appealing starters on the market and they would possibly also have one of the best righty relievers on the market. Like, Chapman people like, but the Royals seem like they're going to move Chapman sooner than later. Uh, Jordan Hicks is going to be a free agent this winter and hasn't given up a run in like six weeks and would be, I think, really tempting for a lot of teams. Uh, I guess my, if I'm if I'm making a prediction, I may as well make a fun one, and I'll say if the Cardinals are 10 games out of the deadline, that they'll trade Jordan Montgomery back to the Yankees. That's a possibility, right? Like, they'll need a starter. He'll, you know, he fits in perfect there, easy to integrate. We'll go with that one. Uh, if they're closer to competitive, I'll say they figure out something with the White Sox. There are there, you know, I there are three starters of the White Sox, all of whom we help the Cardinals have the cheap version, which is Lance Lynn. You have the intermediate price version, which is Giolito, and you have what will be the expensive version, which would be Dylan Cease with a lot of team control. When I look at the needs of these two teams and how they line up and what the control situations look like. I just I keep staring at Cease and Tommy Edmond, and I think that there is something there. I think there is something to that. Now, Edmond is a valuable guy. Uh, obviously, the Cardinals love him, and, and he has saved them a lot of ways this season and for a number of seasons now. But when I look at when I look at Nolan Gorman, who is an everyday player, I think we can say it pretty safely now. When I look like when I look at Brendan Donovan, who is further off in R than Edmund is, when I look at Wynn coming behind the young, there are a lot of infielders that, that sort of fill similar roles. And like Tommy Edmund does a lot of things really well, but I don't think does any individual things so well that you couldn't consider moving him in the right deal. Uh, and so for instance, if you're talking about a guy who was a runner up for the Cy Young, who has that crazy stuff and who, you know, would maybe thrive in a better situation. That's that's the one that I wonder about. Now, that's the sort of deal that could happen whether or not they're close to the postseason because you'd be talking about two teams in not great situations uh, swapping controllable assets. But I don't know. that That is a matter that, to me, makes a lot of sense. No Shohei Otani, unfortunately. But um, do you think there's a chance that if the Cardinals struggle, there's coaching changes like Ollie? Uh, do you think there's any chance that the Cardinals let him go? I'm a big supporter of Ollie. I think he yeah. just stick around, but fans. I are think crazy. relatively, I think relatively low chance um, because I don't, I don't know how the front office could possibly justify like how the most black led front office can justify getting fire a third manager in five years and replace a third manager in five years that they had complete control over selecting right i think if i think if it were if it were, if it were to get to the point where that was necessary 
you will be talking about a much broader organizational change, which, you know, look, if you get to the end of this season uh, and this team wins 72 games, then who knows? I, I have no idea what that winner looks like, especially because I think we're all expecting some sort of transition plan in the front office anyway. Uh, I imagining it during the season, unless they got to a point where it was, you know, a 15-game losing streak or they're 25 under or something just really egregious, that I think would be about the only way you would see that happen. That would be an absolute worst-case scenario for most fans. It would It would be, yeah, it would be like an extreme, you know, burn the bridges, salt the earth kind of, kind of development of the season. Yeah, I mean, if that happens, a lot of people see the Cardinals as a win-now team because of the presence of an aging Paul Goldschmidt, an aging Nolan Arenado, an aging Wilson Contreras. Do you think they could look to move on from any of those players in that event if they had to absolutely sell? I don't think that's going to happen. I think this team is far too talented to move into a complete teardown. Um, I was to know Goldschmidt is like I, I've seen there was there was a Jeff Passing story this week about you know yes. rival GM say maybe Goldschmidt. I have no doubt that rival GMs have talked about Paul Goldschmidt. That's not going to happen. Uh, I would extend spring. I no shot. Goldschmidt's not going okay, anywhere. Okay. Contreras, I no. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of years, and that, that yeah. would be arguably even more uh, than firing the manager would be a hell of an indictment in the front office to move on from Contreras this early. Yeah. The only thing I would say about that one is they. They saw fast that they were going to have a problem with Dexter Fowler, and they yeah. dragged it out for three years. If there is a lesson learned from that, and the lesson is if the fit is bad, make the move fast while the guy still has value, maybe. But that that's really hard. That's a lot of money. And for the Cardinals to be moving on, they would be saying – like. It would be an admission that he can't hack it for them. And if that's the case, mm-hmm. then on earth you're getting four minute trade and aren't you better off letting him salvage? Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly hope nothing gets to the point where we have to make those kind of decisions. For sure. All right, guys, I got the jet, uh, but thank you again so much for having me. I am always thrilled to be a part of it. I wish there was better newt news for the newt news today, but otherwise, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll come soon. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. That was so much fun. Anytime, guys. Thank you again. Thanks, everyone, for watching this episode of Newt News. Special thank you to Jeff for coming on the show. Follow him at JM Jones on Twitter for all things Cardinals news. We hope you enjoyed the show. Also, Newt News merch is available, and the link is in the description. We've got shirts, hoodies, and caps available. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.